Hi, I'm Bailey. And I'm Serena. Welcome to Creative Baggage, a podcast that gets into the nitty-gritty of pursuing an artistic career. In this episode, we talk to foster parent and pet sitter Monica DaCosta about utilizing creativity in our interactions with animals. We discuss our personal experiences with animal rescue and how caring for animals has enriched our lives. For more information on how to get involved in animal rescue, listen to the end of this episode or visit the links in the description. I am Monica. I've been here in Philly for a while now. I'm originally from Brazil uh, and I'm an animal lover and I my passion is it's isn't it lays in, in dog and cat rescue um and and welfare and pet care and all of that how did you get started with it so were you just like doing a full-time job and then people started asking you to help out or like so even before uh when i was still in brazil 10 10 years ago um i i was already teaching and nannying and i always kind of people always ask me to watch over their animals i grew up with animals so i cannot think of any uh portion of my life where I didn't live with animals. Um, so I've always from birth to now always had animals. Um, I guess they always trusted me with their animals because I already took care of children. So I think that that's kind of how it, like you went together. Uh, and then when I moved over here, um, I, you know, lived in a home with somebody else who had animals. Uh, and we were in a building where people started to ask me to watch over their animals too. Um, so it just kind of evolved and then I started um, fostering and volunteering at the shelter. So I end up always having animals here anyways. Um, and it's just something that I really loved it. And then I finally uh, came to terms that, that that's what I should be doing as a profession. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like um, they go hand in hand. Like I uh, do a lot of music teaching and I feel like I use a lot of the same skills. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Children are animals, of course not, but it's, you know, it's that motherly, like, caring energy right. works for everyone. Right. And also, like, for dogs, I, like, honestly, walk, like, take care of dogs pretty similarly to the way I take care of toddlers. Yeah. Uh, so. so do you have pets that are your own or are they all in and out fosters and other people's pets? So I do have two dogs and I have one cat. So I have three of my own. But currently in the house, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven animals. Wow. <laughs> do they all like along with each other initially or do you have to sometimes do work to like get a new animal acquainted with everyone um so i usually do a decompression period i uh, for both cats and dogs where i keep them completely separated separated uh for the first few days and like even two weeks sometimes um and then i slowly integrate them um but i i've had a few animals that had to be kept separated say like four of, of all of the 34 that I foster, so it's not really that many. Most of them just get along with everybody. Mm. Oh, that's so awesome, 34. So yeah. when, when did you start fostering and how, like, how did you get to know ACT and everything and how did that start for you? So I think my life with rescuing dogs and cats started when I um, 
first rescued my cat three years ago. Her name is Elsa. So she was living in the streets and um, I took her in. Um, she's gorgeous. She's white with blue eyes. So I said, well, she definitely has an owner. Um, so I tried to find an owner and then I got her um, microchip scan. She didn't have one. So then um, I decided to keep her. Um, and I took her to paws and she got spayed, got all her testing and shots done. And then she was my cat. And then, so it started with her. And then after her, I rescued two more cats right after that. Um, and then I rescued my two dogs. My dogs are from Save Me Rescue. So I kind of started um, uh, working with them a little bit. And then a couple of months later, I decided to start fostering. So I started fostering with paws. So this was early last year um, that I, I mainly started with cats. Um, and then in mid last year, started I started volunteering at ACT uh, as a dog handler, um, you know, laundry room, anything that's kind of needed. And yeah. Wow. I've known about rescuing kind of through Bailey, but I didn't truly like understand what it meant until we found my cat Delilah because um, I started volunteering with Temple Cats to just go feed the strays that are living in in and around the Temple campus and I brought Bailey with me because I was like oh this will be fun we're gonna go feed the cats together and I was feeding the other cats and she came up to us she didn't want food she just wanted us to pet her and we were like this right she doesn't belong outside so Bailey puts her in like her tote bag and carries her like five to seven blocks back to my apartment yeah she was so friendly um I looked at her and I was like I know indoor cats that are not this friendly and I I picked her up and she was like okay and I was like really you're gonna come with us and we just walked home and she got back into Serena's apartment and she was so happy to be inside she was so cute and now like you're you have her in jersey yeah um and she loves to hear she loves to have different members of the family to cuddle with because i think when it was just me in the apartment she would get sad when i left for a while um so now she'll just switch laps if i'm doing something oh so maybe she was someone's cat that uh was left behind. That certainly happens a lot. So she was used to living inside. So that's usually my first thinking when a cat is like that. A lot of people get evicted or they move and can't take the animal. So they just sadly leave the animal behind and hope that and hope that they're going to be okay. Yeah. yeah, really sad. And I just I feel like the reason why she was so anxious and like following me around for the first couple of weeks was probably because she was abandoned and maybe. Right understand yeah it takes them a while to understand that they're safe and then they're not not going to be abandoned again so yeah so our podcast um we like to talk about like being creative um and trying new things um and i see like i've been watching all your fosters for so long um like what are some things that you do because i know it's so hard to manage all of them like how do you think it involves creativity when you foster. Um, so I was thinking about that. And when you, you say creativity, the first thing that comes to mind is social media. I think I use creativity a lot when I promote them. Um, I, I'm sure you've read my posts. I'm not so diligent with my stories, but when I actually make a post mm-hmm. for an animal, I put a lot of thought into it. 
uh, with like cute pictures that really reflect that animal's personality. Uh, and if the animals, if the animal is um, cat, kid or cat or dog friendly or all of the above, above, I try to put pictures that reflect that because it's just such a such a cool thing for the animal to be, you know, pretty bomb proof. I call them like this cat over here. Um, it's Battle Cat. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so Battle Cat is. Oops, where did he go? Oh, there. So Battle Cat is a bomb proof cat. He gets along with dogs, cats, kids, anyone, anything. So when I post about him, I not only put lots of pictures that reflect his personality, but I do use my creativity to write a bio that's captivating, that's somewhat funny, um, you know, that's informative about him. Uh, and my cats and my dogs, they go pretty fast. And I think that's because I use social media, media as a tool. Um, I My POS cats that I foster, they never go on the POS website. They get adopted straight out of my Instagram. So that's pretty cool because if you go on their website is pretty overwhelming and my cats probably won't be seen there because there's a like a hundred other cats but when I have like a platform like Instagram with like a somewhat good following and then I use creativity to write a good post about them they usually go pretty fast yeah so Lado cat is here he's adopted already we're just waiting for his dental surgery uh so he can recover here and then go but that's why I've been posting much about him because he he he's claimed you know so yeah I feel yeah. like I think a lot that social media is superfluous but in this case it is important to the point where that's the animal's life right like, in doing all the extra measures that you have to make the post beautiful and welcoming you are directly increasing the animal's chances of getting adopted and finding a good home. Right, and I think also the idea behind the, the, the Foster Siblings Instagram, it was a creative act in itself. Yeah. Uh, that Instagram was my cat's Instagram, it was called Elsa the Best Cat. And then <laughs> once I started fostering, I kind of you know turned that into a foster Instagram account. Um, and it, it, it just kind of, you know, has been a success for adopting, you know, my foster animals. So I'm like really grateful for that platform. Yeah. Like my last foster dog, Luna, she, I posted like maybe two or three cute photos of her doing something silly. And it was like, boom, 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 boom. Right. I was like, wow. For the first week, I never posted anything and nobody was interested in her from the website right. that act. And then the second I posted it, um, I had my DMs were full and I had to say no to all these people. <laughs> I know. Yeah, so it's really good. And, so. and there has been a boom, which is a good thing. It has been a boom due to COVID. People, a lot of people that weren't thinking about adopting now are thinking because they're home, they have more time. So mm -hmm. I just hope that this continues and that people realize after yeah. they go back to work, they realize, you know, that the pets they are a lot of work, but that they can they can manage it. That's my hope. Once we start getting like towards the end of COVID, hopefully soon, it's something that I want to make posts about. Um, you know, maybe tips or something like that for people um, to be able to keep their paths or resources because we're going to see a lot of increase in, in in owner in surrenders and stuff or posts that you know give people like resources on on how to rehome their paths. Yeah. yeah. I think that's awesome because um, 
like I look at like what you do with how many animals you have and how well taken care of they are and how many fosters like all the success and I think a lot of people look up to that and to you know share information about hey even though it might be hard when you go back to work you can do it <laughs> exactly yeah like I get up and I walk the dogs I have my coffee and I go clean after the cats so it's just so second nature but for new pet owners, it might take a little bit of time to pick up on that, you know. Um, but yes, I, I, I know I have a, a platform that I, you know, want to use to encourage, encourage people to, you know, be patient with their pets. And it, 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 it takes them a while to get adjusted and for the owner to get adjusted and all that. Yeah, I love how much care just like raw caring is put into all of this from the beginning to the end like yeah you have to care for the animals while they're in your home but also the amount of care that you put into sharing information for owners after they leave your home and finding the correct owner while you're searching for an adopter like all of that makes such a huge difference in the animal's life even after they're not with you anymore Right now, ACT is completely full with cats, and um, they're just like doing everything they can to have people foster them out or adopt them out as much as possible because we're in kitten season and there are so many strays that are being brought in. And same thing with dogs, like there are just so many kind of going through this system or this pipeline and navigating being in a transitional state for so long. Like, do you have any thoughts on what? could do moving forward what people should do to help I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is I would urge people to um, start fostering for rescues because then when you foster for rescues when they have a good network of fosters they can pull more animals from act right for example if pause pause is a huge you know network of fosters that's why they're able to when they go to act to get cats they get 10 12 20 cats mm -hmm. because they're able to place those cats immediately in foster i think that's a sustainable way of doing it and there's many other rescues like fish tails street uh street tails paws saved me so i think people should consider fostering for rescues so then rescues can pull a larger quantity of animals from act does that make sense yeah absolutely so I've never actually fostered cats uh, for ACT because I foster for PAWS, but they are indirectly ACT cats. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and for me, I am, I'm close to PAWS, so my cats, they, you know, they need shots, and they need spay and neuter, and they need to be rechats, and they need this and that. So for me, it's easier to go to PAWS here because it's closer. So... Um, and they give like excellent um, care, provide excellent care, uh, medical care for my fosters. I have never had any complaints. So I think my advice is that to encourage people to start fostering for, um, for rescues, um, which you indirectly are helping at. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. It's a very confusing process. Because um, when I was younger, I'm from uh, like New Jersey and we just had one rescue that was like down the road and they would pull dogs from like Tennessee, Alabama, Florida. And so I never like understood until I moved here that, well, first the animal goes to animal control and then 
the rescue right. come from the shelter and I'd say 99.9 people do not know the difference between the shelter and the rescue. So yeah. even with paws, people get confused that they are a shelter. I mean, they do shelter animals, but they are a rescue partner of act. Right. So if people have to, um, if they find an animal, if they need to surrender an animal, they should be taking that animal to act, even though they're like a max capacity. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are rescues that will take uh, owner surrenders directly. Paws will, Philly bully team will. If the animal has a gut, you know, has no behavior issues or, you know. Um, but, yeah, so most people do not know that ACT is, ACT is the shelter and then everything else is a rescue partner. That they take the animals from ACT or they, they also pull animals from other places. Like Philly Blue Team will get animals from the south or they will take uh, owner surrenders um, and things like that. So... I think it's a, a, an important distinction that people should know between the shelter and the rescues. And the rescues usually have more resources to care for the animals because they have, they're smaller, um, they're not profit, and they have a good network of donate, uh, donors, you know. Yeah. Do you feel like there's a stigma around surrendering an animal and that's why a lot of people decide that they would rather just leave them outside? Um, yeah, especially with cats, like we have such a big problem of house cats just being outside and either joining a colony or not surviving because people right. prefer to leave them outside than take them. Definitely, there's a huge stigma. Not only that, I knew that act, I think that's still the case. You have to have an appointment to go surrender your animal. And I don't know if it's still the case, but you have to pay a fee to surrender your animal. Mm -hmm. So not only people are not informed of the resources that they have there's this um like this organization called philadelphia no kill mm -hmm. which you can contact them and they help you with resources so you can keep your, you can keep your animal so people do not know about that they do not know that um to take the animal to act they they do not know of the resources available to them and that's why they might abandon that animal. I mean, some people do it because they're not good people, but a lot of people do it because they do not know of the resources that are available to them. Yeah, that's right. right. And I think like, it, it doesn't, it's not always something that has to be shameful. I mean, something no. happened, right, in, in people's lives. And of course, like we want to keep pets in homes. Um, but it, it doesn't always have to be, you know, you, you should be proud that you're going to the rescue and, and finding it. Exactly. Because homelessness is real. You know, losing your job is real. Losing your home is real. You know, health issues are real. Um, many, there are many, many valid reasons why a person would decide to surrender their dogs. You know, God forbid you were a, the sole provider of your, your your household and you lose your job and yep. you have to first feed your children uh, or you know you lose your home or you die you know and then your family cannot take care of your animals you know but I am I am really really um, I've, I as you know I've fostered animals that were like neglected abandoned and in on purpose and that that is something that I it's unacceptable Wow. But, but like I said, there are reasons where it is like beyond acceptable to try to rehome your animal.
Yeah. Um, and even if you were neglecting your animal or not giving it the proper care, it needs, like, in a way, it would be better for that animal's life to be surrendered and to be potentially taken care of by someone who can give it the right amount of energy and attention. Another thing that people do not know, and I think you should be common knowledge, is that sometimes your animal needs medical care mm. uh, that you cannot provide. Some veterinary practices will, you can surrender your animal to them, and they will reach out to a rescue that could provide the medical service to that animal. That's what happened to one of my fosters, Linda. Um, they mm. surrendered her to the vet clinic, although it was too late. They did surrender her to the vet clinic, and they contacted the rescue that I work with. Um, yes. So that's something that people don't know. I, it's not every vet clinic that will do that, but I know that there are, I, I know of a few that will. So even though they, they won't provide the care if anyone, if no one can pay for it, they will try to find resources for the animal to be able to be, to provide care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's really, you know, that's a great thing. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like we should think of more ways to find an intervention, like with music or with other forms of art um, that can correlate with rescues or any other good cause. And we've been talking a lot about trying to make art that is in conjunction with something else that benefits the world. Right. I think animal welfare is just something so, uh, so important that a lot of people don't, don't give, you know, consideration, don't think about it, but it is important. Um, um, I think if, if a person is kind enough to care for animals and, and be considerate to them, they're more likely to be considered consider it to people and more likely to be a, a good a good human being and I and I you know with my career in teaching and any whatnot I've been working with children for 16 years um, and I think it's an important value um, to teach them about um, you know animal welfare that you know they have feelings that they suffer that they you know get sad that they get happy they, they know who their families are uh, they know when they're cared for. And I think that's just as a, as a society, I think if we incorporate this value into our children to teach them that uh, we should respect animals, mm -hmm. I think they will grow up to be better human beings. Like, honestly, uh, the kids that I nanny now, they are total animal lovers. Um, they go with me before COVID. They used to go with me to the shelter to pick up new foster cats. Uh, when we went to get my current foster, Caitlin, we went to get her from ACT to take her to Penn Vet for her emergency care. They, they were with me in the car and they were comforting her and they were, you know, talking to her and telling her that it was, that, that she was going to be okay. I bet you that they will grow up to be amazing human beings. They already are because they're so caring. So I think just like thinking, you know, in the future, like what world do we want to, leave for you know our kids or grandkids or for you know other people's kids like i think that's something that i see as a as a whole um that we are not in this together and that we need to care for 
our, you know, we need to think about our future. And I think like giving thought and, and, and just being proactive with animal um, care and welfare is a great way to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. That was so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We talk so much about how arts can increase empathy in people, but animal care is absolutely the same way. And it's, right. if not even more direct. Exactly. I see it very clearly, like in the kids, like the kids that I work with, how like teaching them about, you know, how like loving an animal is and how they, they have feelings that you have to respect them. And I see that they not only learn that, but that that knowledge, you know, mirrors in, in, in other areas of their life, you know. So again, my name is Monica. I have my foster um, Instagram is the foster siblings. So that's my foster Instagram account. And then for my business, my pet sitting, dog walking, boarding business, um, it's Moni Mutt. And uh, if people are interested in, in, in filling apps with rescues to start fostering, look uh, at Paws, look at the Legally Teen, um, Fish Tales, um, Street Tales. If you go to their websites, they're, you know, they'll prompt you um, to fill the application and, and things like that. And if people have any questions, please uh, send me a message on Instagram.